Welcome to The Indigenous Approach, a podcast where we examine the role of the nation's premier partnered irregular warfare force across the competition continuum, from cooperation to conflict and everything in between. Welcome to The Indigenous Approach podcast. We're coming to you today from El Paso, Texas, because we've officially activated the Special Operations Forces Training and Experimentation Center, or SOFTEC, at nearby White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. SOFTEC is the premier irregular warfare training and experimentation location for U.S. SOF and our partners. For today's conversation, we have Colonel Theo Unbehagen, who is the inaugural director of the training center, CW5 Scott Gronowski, the command chief warrant officer for the command, and Sergeant Major Greg Kibbe from our G37 training office, who is one of the main people shepherding this project from its inception to its activation. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk more about what we're trying to accomplish and build out there at SoftTech. Uh, happy to be here with Scott. Thank you for taking your time coming down for Bragg. And Greg, you too. Well, hey, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. You know, it's good to see this thing evolve from a PMT site as we were all growing up to, to the experimentation and training center that it's become. Excited to see it. Again, sir, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Looking forward to getting the word out about SoftTech. Colonel Ambehagen, let's start with you. What is SoftTech? So, so within the within the term uh, SoftTech, you know, it's Special Operation Forces Training and Experimentation Center. But uh, of course, it's a place. It's a venue we're trying to build to be the premier irregular warfare training and experimentation venue. Um, so it's a place. However, we also like to think of it as a concept. So. Don't think of it as, hey, you have to come to White Sands Missile Range to be involved in soft tech. Um, we have training venues and exercises across the globe, really. Um, and that's something that we're trying to incorporate in everything we're doing here. Um, this kind of being the, the hub, the nucleus of soft tech. Um, it's a place where you can um, exercise the capabilities that you already have um, and test and experiment on uh, technology and systems that you don't quite know what they may do yet and you know a lot of people say hey let's uh try things out and fail fast and figure it out and go out and uh, make things better to what we need to do for our mission which is again to be in the premier partner force for regular warfare yeah is it sir it's so it's a directorate right a first fc that's now permanently going to be stationed out here at white sands yes it is a directorate with major general angle as his uh, vision, having a directorate that's uh, directly aligned to his leadership command group so that we can have flexibility and, and resources to build this thing properly. I think that's the biggest thing you're going to see is the change in the investment in people out here at White Sands Missile Range and, and, you know, and them liaisoning with the greater Fort Bliss community. I mean, that, that's the biggest, you know, so we can replicate multi-domain uh, battle space, whether it's land, sea, air, cyber, space, underground. We've invested people out here to, to, to coordinate that, to, to continually work on that and work on that space out here. And so that's probably the biggest investment you'll see in, in what makes it. I mean, it's, and it's not just for, Green Berets, civil affairs, and psychological operations soldiers is for the greater special operations community. Hence the name, and and you know you'll even see the the logo. You know it, it's meant to bring all special operations together. It's also meant to bring bring academia and industry here to kind of test new concepts, new ideas, possibly fail, right, and to go at it again and make these things better. Yeah. So White White Sands has historically been a place for experimentation and testing 
And now it's really for the soft community, it's training and experimentation. But historically, White Sands has been a, a place that's kind of led, you know, in the, in the aeronautics and missile radar development, space, et cetera. Um, what else does, so being here at White Sands, right? It was specifically chosen this location. Something we were talking about earlier is being up at White Sands, it kind of reminds you a lot of Afghanistan. The mountains, the desert, arid landscape, some of the Kalat villages, etc. It's much more than that, right? What, what about White Sands makes it the premier location? So you, for you hit on it. So as White Sands Test Center, called WISTIC, they are the premier place to have the joint force come and test and evaluate systems, whether it be munitions, sensors, lasers, etc. WISTIC is the premier place to do that for the joint force. So there's a lot of organizations, a lot of stakeholders that already have the focus on ensuring the joint force has the correct systems of munitions and equipment and resources and, and everything to, to win in the future operating environment, our mission. So it's a true joint environment, even though it's not a joint base. You have the Navy. There's actually a desert ship. You have the Air Force, and they have the 746 Test Squadron, and so they will have exercises where they will have denied environments. So there's a NAFES going on this week towards a GPS denied environment, 35 different players, multiple air platforms, and you have the uh, Space Command, the NROs right on the other side of the mountain. So as we're looking at the soft triad and incorporating space, um, we certainly have guardians that are looking to we're looking to incorporate and integrate what their mission is into our training and experimentation. So bottom line, you can get after the total joint environment by, by having our operations hubbed out of White Sands. Also, the gym partners, so we are really in tune to the uh, local environment. We're integrated into local environment. Um, so you have local partners, whether it be the different law enforcement agencies, um, the different uh, community leadership. So we can also tie into that when we look at the RMT lanes um, and really get after uh, some of that other unconventional warfare activities. Uh, this is the total environment to do that. That's a great point. You know, you're, you're talking about when we're doing uh, crisis, right? You were talking about train as you fight, large-scale combat operations, right? But now multi-domain contested environments, this allows us to train as fight. I was telling Sergeant Major Kibbe before you came up here, one of the interesting stories is I was coming up as a Bravo, right? We got those black PQ2s and on them, they had that little blue disc and you weren't allowed to unscrew the disc until you went to war. And then Afghanistan happened and we never had to screw that disc back on, right? But the ability to be able to, you know, just think about that though. When we were growing up and training prior to 9-11, at the beginning of 9-11, we had tools and equipment that we were unable to use, unable to test in a live environment until you went overseas. And that affords us the opportunity to take those things that are out there and test them and evaluate them and make sure they work and build the confidence in the operator here in the United States while we're training. So our major could be, you've seen this thing from the beginning to now the activation. What has that evolution looked like? Kind of how did we get to where we are now? So about, about two years ago, the chief of staff kind of challenged us to, to what does right look like for a training center to train on multi-domain operations. So in an unconstrained environment, we started trying to look at what would we do? How would we create it? So as a start point, uh, we knew that the Army had recognized four uh, soft training facilities. So Fort Bliss wound up winning the day because uh, we, we took a look at some of the things that we've already talked about, all the things that it had to offer. The gym partners, we have good partnerships. Um, because the PMT site was here for so long, we had uh, uh, Master Sergeant Omar Gatan down here who had 
uh, really fostered some relationships with Border Patrol, Homeland Security Investigations, uh, the El Paso Police Department. Uh, so we had a great starting point. We also had you know about 200 tactical vehicles here that we were able to fall in on. They had a good relationship with 1AD uh, that that uh, they had been developing over the years. Uh, so a lot of a lot of conventional force support, a lot of support with range control was built through that PMT site already. And then they actually identified to us the opportunities up at White Sands. Uh, that, so they brought us up there and we saw that there was actually some physical infrastructure that we wouldn't have to wait on Milcon for. Two million acres of training area, I think it was, on the training side. Uh, and something important to note that has to do with the, uh, the MDO aspect of this is that White Sands Wistic specifically controls all the airspace above Wistic, which makes it a lot easier for us to do the kind of training that we want to do. There, we don't have to worry about the FAA or anything, so that makes it a lot easier. Then proximity, uh, as um, Colonel McHagan said, to, to cyber and space partners, uh, all of it adds up to basically the perfect storm for a training center for to train on MDO and specifically to get after what we're trying to get after in competition left of large-scale combat operations. Yeah, and we're talking, you mentioned it, the terminology, either ground to, to atmosphere or you might use underground to outer space or whatever you want to call it, but there's advantages of white sands that we don't have anywhere else, right, in, in the nation, really, to get after the things that we're trying to get after. Whether, whether it's having our guys and gals come out here and letting them understand how the enemy sees them or how the enemy can disrupt them or what else the enemy can use against them. You know, how, how do we see ourselves and what can we do to change how we look? Right. And likely can't do that anywhere else. Right That's right. Now. You can set up a denied environment with multiple layers, multiple effects from the enemy out here at Wismer. So think of a system, a concept, a technology that you want to experiment on. You can do it here. You know, in Fort Bragg, I can camouflage to try to hide from being seen by the guys on the ground. But here, I not only have to camouflage, but I have to figure out how am I going to hide my heat signature? How am I going to hide my electromagnetic signature? And how am I going to prevent being seen from above? I don't know if we have the freedom of movement to fly things above guys while they're out in the field as we do here. We're talking not just aircraft, satellites and everything else. Satellites, unmanned vehicles. Yeah. Unmanned aerial vehicles. Yeah. That ground, ground atmosphere. Yep. Ground atmosphere. Chief just coined a new term, cyberflage. <laughs> cyberflage. Hey, I like that. That is true. And to Colonel Umbehagen's point, when we were discussing it earlier, you know, we saw it as not just a place. The one, the one thing that was a constant was we wanted to bring the SOTA staff here for their uh, CV2 pathway. But you know, we realized that you can't build everything in one location. So there, are, like you say, this represents uh, Afghanistan pretty well. However, there are some units that need to get after you know the littorals. Um, you know swamps or, or wood whatever, areas, right? Yeah. So, uh, or subterranean venues. And there are other venues that, that may, for that specific niche thing they're looking for, that may, that may serve the purpose better. So rather than rebuild it here, they could go there and train and just tie that into the scenario. So we're talking generally SOTIF level exercises, right? Or pre-mission training? So so we do five SAGE exercises a year, which are which are JNTC exercises that are are the purpose of those is to uh, certify, verify, and validate uh, SOTIFs prior to going overseas. But in addition to that, there are many, many opportunities for experimentation at ODA level, SIDET level, CAT level, wh- whatever. If you want to train it and you can dream it, they'll tr- do their very best to set it up for you here. Uh, and they have the tools here, as we've already discussed, to do it. Colonel Umbehagen had mentioned some of them, but things like some of the freedom of action, I guess, with some of the technologies, maybe it's whether it's cyber, things with space, you know, two million acres of land gives you a lot of land to play around with, uh, whether it's maybe counter UAS or other things. Chief, you mentioned it. The SoftTech logo doesn't have the one SFC patch, but why not? Like, What is it about SoftTech? It kind of falls more in the SOCOM lane, right? In, in terms of overall soft. This is not 
versus FC Tech. This is soft tech. Even though largely, it, it, I mean, it's manned, equipped by First SFC, the idea is uh, have a community or have a location where all soft can come and experiment. It, it's not limited to just First SFC, and we didn't want the name to limit who came and who participated in either Sage Eagle events or who came and utilized it. I mean, uh, you do have other other services are here regularly doing their training. And, uh, you know, the idea is that it, it's for the whole community to come experiment. Yeah, because I'm, I'm guessing we don't, in real world scenarios, we probably won't fight as only RSOFT, right? I mean, it's almost always joint. And for us, it's joint with partners, right? Combined uh, joint partner is the way we see the future. Yeah, and there and have been partners. That's the way we fought. That's the way we're going to fight. And there's partners that have been here and that will be here, right, uh, up at White Sands. Yeah, obviously the gold standard for that is if we can bring partners in from your area of operation, that's ideal. And they have been managing to do that uh, more and more. The units that are rotating through here as part of their CV2 pathway have been able to do that. So that's kind of the gold standard. But we do also try and get other partner forces uh with partnerships with the National Guard and some other, but uh, also the units themselves do coordinate for their own and have to help coordinate for some of that partner force. But I think uh, if, if I were doing it, the way I would want to have it is somebody from my AO if I could. Sir, you know, this is an investment for the command, both in people, money, resources, et cetera. Why not just invest in NTC or JRTC in some of those locations? What do we not get there that we can get at White Sands? Well, the CTCs are great places to train for conventional or general purpose forces, the BCTs, as well as SOF. However, SOF is not the main effort. And by not being the main effort, there's always the possibility that your training objectives as SOF will not be met because you're a supporting effort. And as the BCTs will absolutely meet their training objectives, there's potential, there's constraints, there's limiting factors on SOF being able to have the freedom of maneuver to exercise all the capabilities that we need to get after in the regular warfare. That's the main thing on why have a place outside of the CTCs that we invest in is because we need to have a place in general to uh, exercise the capabilities that we need to for a regular warfare. I've just been impressed with the numbers of SOF forces we have been able to train last year. It's three to four times at echelon than, than you can fit into the JRTCs or the NTCs. Both very valuable, but the, you know, you, a unit comes here and working with Sage Eagle, who help write the scenarios in the background, they can do pretty much what they need to do or what tailor, tailorable, scalable to what they want to accomplish and where they're going. And so to that point, chief, uh, last year they trained five, the slant was five, 14 and 80 that came through here. I think between JRTC and NTC combined, it was uh, nowhere even in that ballpark. Five, 14 and 80 is that five sodas? Yeah. F- five 14, sodas, companies. Four, 14 companies and 80 detachments in one year. And that includes RCA and PSYOP folks as well. Right? Yeah. Cross-functional teams. Yeah. And that's, and that's another point is that here, we can bring all the soft partners like we talked about, the joint partners, the cross-functional teams, and really have them focus on the training objectives we need to focus on tailorable scenarios. Outside of that, we want to be nimble and flexible enough to get after experimentation. We also want to be able to leverage what WISTIC is already doing on the range as far as their testing and evaluation. Again, I mentioned that denied environment events that they have regularly out there at White Sands. Um, so as we plug into that, you just don't get that flexibility at these CTCs at this time. That's true. And, you know, the CTCs are designed for, to meet uh, conventional forces training objectives. Focused so, on large-scale combat operations 
large-scale right. combat operations. So most of the things that we're trying to get after, especially in competition, are left of large-scale combat operations. So uh, if you talk to most detachments, most AOBs, uh, they try and make their money uh, in about four days prior to the actual actually going in the box. So uh, this prolongs that time and allows them to really get after experimenting with new new operational design, trying to do new things, uh, new equipment, uh, and basically making their own training objectives that have to do with you know the whole gambit of multi-domain operations and execute them over weeks. When a SOTA signs up for one of these rotations, what can they expect from here at SoftTech to enable their training? Okay, so so SoftTech, they'll help them to develop their exercise and ensure that they have, you know, ranges that they need, uh, that they have, uh, that they have, uh, you know, any of the facilities, any of the, the things that, that you would need to support your, your forces in multiple locations. Uh, they'll coordinate with, because the, they have the relationships with Fort Bliss and with Whismer to make sure that they can uh, coordinate all the logistics of your rotation. Um, and then on top of that, we have Sage Eagle, which is a group of exercise planners that will assist the rotational unit in planning their exercise, ensuring that their training objectives are met. Yes, they're not doing it every single thing for you, right? But they're going to enable you. They're going to help you plan. They're going to be that connective tissue that's always there at White Sands, liaised with local. That, that's correct. Sure. There's center. always going to be a requirement for a rotation unit to, to provide a, an exercise control group. Uh, that's going to help plan their own exercise and ensure that that their unit's training objectives are met. Uh, and then Sage Eagle will help incorporate and make sure that they can, they understand the full gambit of multi-domain uh, capabilities that that could be offered to them. So they can they might even have more training objectives that that they want to get after once they learn what can be done here. In addition to that, you know, with the local community, with the law enforcement agencies, um, as you want to get after the RMT lanes, that's something that we can set up help ensure that those relationships uh, continue and and also for the units that come in from other areas you know they are coming in and it's plug and play they don't have to worry about you know developing those RMT lanes I mean they're already going to be developed the other thing is that if you look at your mission as you go down range as a SODIF if you see an opportunity to where you may want to have and I mentioned before like the space command folks to come in and give a capabilities brief or have them integrated into your uh, scenario, your exercise, your training. Um, that's something that we can facilitate. Again, the stakeholders, the organizations, all those, the joint partners that are actually here at uh, White Sands Bus Range in this area. Chief, one thing I wanted to ask you was, we kind of mentioned it earlier, another reason we chose White Sands was the the location close to some population centers, right? Both Las Cruces and El Paso. As a longtime Green Beret, you know, what would it mean for you to train, be able to have 2 million acres of training area and two population centers, you know, as, as we go into, you know, today's environment is, is more urban than not in general, right? We're seeing that play out in current events now. You know, what does that mean for our team to be able to do some things in these cities? Well, even though Sergeant Major talked about just the couple million acres that we have to train on, you know, there's no box, Right. And the original concept, you know, it's dispersed mission command. You know, you could have people in multiple states away running missions, running operations, you know, and it could be even conjunction with one of our CTCs. Right. That that is the goal. To add to that a little bit. So so I think that we've gotten used to like the Afghan village scenario, you know, where you're you're going to a, a small range with five or six, you know, connect structures and you have, you know, X X number of enemy on target and maybe some civilians throwing around. But you know, when you talk about some of the other uh, cross-functional teams and like what cat teams want to get after, they would like to assess population centers, you know, so you have to go to the, where the population Critical infrastructure. Are. That's right. All kind that's of right. Things, and right. that's all here in a metropolis like, like uh, El Paso or, and at, 
town like Las Cruces, you know? So. Yeah, we're, we're replicating the, the, the multi-domain world that our, that our guys and gals are actually going to be in. You know, it, it's not just a rural thing of Connex villages. It's, it's our major point. You're in Las Cruces, you're in El Paso, you're in, you're in city centers, you're in urban terrain, rural terrain, you're in uh, rigorous mountain terrain. I mean, it, it ha- we have the ability to go from one to the other very quickly. And incorporation of the synthetic internet makes it a lot more realistic to you. So w- with that, you know, it's, it can be a global scenario based on real world events that closed network allows us to, you know, inject personalities in there that, that'll steer the exercise, but make it more realistic for the uh, units going through. Our bread and butter is the human dimension, right? It's it's people. And so having these population centers, I think, is probably crucial to replicating an environment that our folks are going to go into in the real world. What did we miss? Wismer itself, the garrison, is like Mayberry. It is small town feel. Um, we have a seat. We, Soft Tech, have a seat at the table at every major decision. Every board, I should say, that makes every major decision on Wismer. The CG, Brigadier General Little, is 100% supportive in everything that we do. He believes in our mission. He believes in our vision. He wants to continue to develop the connective tissue and synergy with WISTIC, but, uh, but going on just the basic life support. The garrison commander, Colonel Howe and his team, they are so thrilled that we're out there. The MWR, I mean, they are all about helping us. The Wismer community is so enthusiastic when we're coming out there and, uh, and integrating with their community. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, Mr. Jason Pingo has been really instrumental in us, you know, landing here uh, and achieving tenant unit status here. He's really kind of helped us walk through the whole process of being a new unit on a new base. And so I'd like to thank him for that. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your time and looking forward to the activation ceremony. Thank you, Dan. Really appreciate the opportunity to highlight soft tech. This has been the Indigenous Approach. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on social media. And if you have suggestions for topics or guests, send us a message. Thank you for listening.